Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome, everybody, to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 209, and my guest this time around is horror author Mercedes M. Yardley. Mercedes is a whimsical dark fantasist who wears stilettos, red lipstick, and poisonous flowers in her hair. And aside from wearing stilettos and poisonous flowers in her hair, she's also the author of some very diverse works. And in 2015, Mercedes won the prestigious Bram Stoker Award for her story, Little Dead Red. Mercedes' most recent undertaking was was as the editor of the Crystal Lake publishing horror anthology, Arterial Bloom. And more than that, she is my neighbor so to speak, right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Again, her name is Mercedes M. Yardley. How are you doing, friend? Oh, fantastic. I'm so glad to be here, as you know. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, well, let's start, with, let's start with the elephant in the room. We both live in Las Vegas. We do. And yet, why, are, why are we not meeting right now? Yeah, why, <laughs> why are we not talking face-to-face when, when I mean, geographically, geographically speaking, this is not a, a big city. I, with, with without knowing your exact address, I would be willing to bet we couldn't be more than ten or fifteen minutes apart. And yet, here we are, isolated and in separate rooms, having a chat. Why is that? Well, originally we were going to get face to face. I think I was going to bring my ukulele. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be <laughs> it was going to be a magical magical thing. And then this was in February, and and we were like. We might like each other so much, you might enjoy being quarantined together. And you were like, oh, yeah, we should meet via Skype. And I don't know if it's because I was freaking you out or because we were anticipating what might eventually be a quarantine. Right. And for us, my family's been in quarantine for eight months, mu- eight months, eight, eight weeks now. <laughs> eight so months. it feels like eight months. Um, yeah. So we are quarantined because there is a pandemic that is killing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's a, yeah as, as we as we speak right now, there's a global pandemic happening the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, which is its its government name, and I so so yeah when we when we first started to, well what's today's day today's what April twenty fifth yes okay. I had to look at my watch twenty fifth <laughs> it is a Saturday <laughs> so yeah so for for the sake of history so for whenever you guys are listening to this it could be a few days from now it could be years from now if it's years from now hopefully the world is still existing and, and running and people are still you know alive and the zombie apocalypse hasn't taken over but either way for the sake of history april 25th 2020 uh we're still you know waist deep in the in this global pandemic so a few weeks ago you and i uh, uh started talking about uh uh scheduling a conversation and then uh you know once we once we were both aware that we were in las vegas i was like oh wonderful Let's we'll, we'll we'll get together in the in the illustrious Martin Lestrapto podcast hour studios right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Have a nice face to face chat, which is rare for me because you know uh, it turns out authors are all over the place. So most of my conversations end up being remote like this. But what a wonderful occasion to have an author right here in Las Vegas that we can talk face to face. So we were planning that, 
And then uh, the, the the first part was my fault because we originally we were scheduled for, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, something like that. Three weeks ago. I can't remember. Everything is blurred. Everything really, is one big it, blur. It really is a blur. I, I, I feel like we, we were, we might've been scheduled mm-hmm. before the, the, the quarantine and then I had to reschedule. And then, uh, and then as we were rescheduling, uh, there was just little uh, information was slowly as like, Hey, you know, there, there, there's, there's, uh, there, there's kind of a virus happening, you know, it may, you know, it's kind of contagious, you know, just kind of, so then, so then you and I were like, Hey, let's, let's be responsible. And then, you know, whatever, maybe, maybe it makes sense to, 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 to do it remotely. And, and, and at that time there was no shelter and there was no national quarantine. Yeah, there was well, no, just, yeah, just a little bit of possibly in the future, someone might have to meet quarantine. <laughs> And then, uh, and then it seems like five so, minutes later, just the world went to shit, just kind of blew up. The thing about this virus is that something new comes out every single day. Yes. Like every single day, it's new information and it's new. Well, it does this now and <laughs> you know, it attacks this and these people are safe. Oh, wait, no, they're not. And this they say, no, it isn't. And, you know. You, what, you know what you should do? Inject yourself with disinfectant or don't. <laughs> that was, yeah, that, 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 was, that was the most recent. Yeah, the most recent thing that came out. And then, uh, then Lysol had to say, hey, guys, don't. Uh, Please don't. That's how you kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no Lysol cocktails. That's not going to turn out well. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was, you know, like when it first came out, I was like, look, uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're an old person, then, then you're probably going to be in danger. But everyone else, keep shaking hands as usual and then it was like you know what don't don't shake hands as usual and then it was like you know what don't uh leave your house if you don't have to then like, don't leave your house mm-hmm. uh and we don't know why people are people are dying they're, they're dying and we don't know exactly why we just know that, that you don't want it and uh and it's wild because it's like okay try not to get it and if you do get it yeah, there's nothing we can do. Just yeah, don't go to the doctor. Yeah, and don't get tested, and you can't get tested. And yeah. the only people really getting tested are like rich. Yeah, you know, athletes and movers, <laughs> and for some reason, influencers. They're licking toilets. They're all getting tested. Yeah, but anybody else can't, and it's just oh, it's madness. Yeah, it's- and, yeah. No, no treatment, <laughs> no vaccine. No, no. I mean. The, the, again, if you, if you play, if you're if you're an athlete or a celebrity or or, or somebody of uh, you know, clearly one of the important peoples get tested. If you're delivering groceries, for example, you're going to have a tough time getting a test because obviously, I guess the work you're doing isn't important. Which is obvious. I I haven't been to the grocery store. I don't know. It's been a while. Well, well over a month. Uh, that's the other thing. So, so are you doing a, like, uh, are you, are you ordering groceries online, having, having them delivered or what's your um, situation? Yeah, I, I've been doing grocery pickup. Um, and I do that normally mm-hmm. because I can lay in bed and put, do it on my phone and pick out my groceries and pick them up the next day. So I do that normally. Um, and now it's like, you have to do it like three or four days in advance, yeah. order what you do. Um, but I actually last week went to the grocery store for the first time since this. And Martin, I was so scared. I, <laughs> I ha- was in my car and um, my son, we discussed this a little bit earlier privately, you and I, but my son has Williams syndrome and autism and he has a lot of underlying health issues, heart mm-hmm. issues, 
Um, and my daughter uh, has lung issues. Mm-hmm. And I um, was stung by a scorpion a couple years ago. And, oh, there's my son knocking on my door. <laughs> Sweetheart, not until 10.15, please. This is just how life is all together. Um, and I was stung by a scorpion and uh, nearly died. Had to have the oh, antivenin. Yeah. And it my immune system is zero. So we've been hunkering down for a while. So this is my first time going to the store and I had my mask and I'm sitting in the parking lot and everyone's lined up and they're wrapped around the store. And I just had this like little mini panic attack because it was just so (laughs) surreal and strange and weird. And so I I took my um, phone and I never wear like earphones when I'm out in public, but I wore earphones and listened to like David Bowie music and went in and it was just frightening because it was so surreal and people were like life selling each other down and and then there were some people that acted like it was nothing like there was nothing mm-hmm. at all and other people in their masks and their gloves and their like raincoats and it was just it was so weird so I got my food and got out but like seeing the shelves empty and mm-hmm. I've never experienced anything like that before yeah it was- yeah it's well I can I, I like I w- Certainly, one one day eventually I'll go back to the store, but I'm I'm, I'm not in a hurry. And and even yeah, like ordering online, that's relatively new for me. I think I literally did it for the first time, maybe two weeks before quarantine. It had nothing to do with it. It was just kind of, uh, I think it was like a Saturday, and uh, we needed some groceries, and we were we being my wife and I were feeling particularly lazy, and we were like, ah, whatever, let's try this uh, online delivery group with the groceries and it was great order some groceries they came to the house like maybe four or five hours later it's like oh that's not and even that was like man five hours that's kind of a long wait but what are you going to do five hours and now in in quarantine five hours would be a, a miracle because because right. you know it's not only do you have to wait a couple of days that's assuming there's somebody to deliver your groceries because now there's 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 only a, a limited amount of, of 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 slots and times, and so like I, there's been times where I've gone to just various stores and they're just like sorry there's there's nothing available for the next several days, and um, so so now you know again being in quarantine for at, the, at this point five or six weeks, um, we we've gotten a little bit more savvy of like okay let's check the supplies check the pantry check the fridge. Okay, we we're we're good for about a week, so let's let's try to see let's if we order can now. Let's yeah. order now because it's probably gonna, you know we're probably a few days out from having even a day uh, available. And then if there is a day available, then we're like shit. Let's buy everything because who knows when we're gonna get another day? Even if it's like, do we do we need it? I don't know. Just buy three of them. Just buy whatever you can. So it's it's been nuts. And also here in Las Vegas too, I, I've been thinking about this really since the beginning but a lot lately is i can't wrap my brain around how they can how they can open up the las vegas trip like when and how that's going to happen because you're talking about an, an inflection of thousands of people from all over the place bringing who knows what with them along with the coronavirus uh, in tight spaces and in, in casinos, restaurants, theaters, uh, and there's you know there's there's no vaccine, there's no treatment. There you know t- t- tests are scarce as it is. I and and you know like like I know, it, and by I know I mean I hope, but I like I know at some point the strip will be open and the world will be back open, 
and things will start to take on some the world's never going to look the same but it'll be some version of normal but i just can't imagine like las vegas is such a unique slice of america i just can't wrap my brain around how are they safely responsibly going to possibly open up the strip in this in this environment go ahead and answer the question how are they going to do it mercedes i don't think they are yeah i i don't see how you can safely i i know it like anderson cooper said when he interviewed the mayor a couple of days ago yeah and um, we need to talk about this for posterity, but uh, <laughs> it's a petri dish, you yeah. know. How do you how do you do that when people you can't social distance in a casino, Mm-mm. you know? You you don't go to a, a strip club and not yeah. expect some sort of <laughs> you know <laughs> contact in some way with the other patrons. With the, you know, there's just yeah yeah like, yeah because my wife and I we had. Um, so like like in May, we we had like several uh, uh, we had just like all sorts of events booked. They just happened all happened in May. It wasn't it wasn't by design, but it was like oh this is going to be a fun, busy month. You know we're gonna go, we're gonna go see uh, you know Joe Coy at the at the win. Uh, we had to, uh, we're gonna watch uh, at the Double or Nothing at AE, uh, AEW wrestling pay per view at the MGM Grand. Uh, we were going to see uh, Gwen Stefani's last show at Planet Hollywood. Oh, nice. Uh, we we like just like uh, all this stuff that we were like so excited about, and then of course you know understandably, none of that's going to happen. Although Joy, Joe Coy hasn't, they haven't canceled his show yet. It's at the end of May. I, I feel like shows that are like not immediate there's sort of like an optimism like we won't cancel it yet i guess but yeah we, we have no re- no illusion that that's going to actually happen uh like also locally there's the uh you know the smith center and uh, yeah. so they do the they have a you know broadway uh broadway se- uh, series so my wife and i, I, I to we, that that yeah. was <laughs> yeah so uh so we, you know we, we do the uh we get our season tickets for that for the last i think three years and um you go what night do you go? Uh, we go uh, s- uh, Saturday, Saturday afternoons. We do the Saturday matinee at, at two p.m. Night. Well, we're the Thursday nights, so we'll wave to you from our nosebleed. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we uh, yeah, uh, we are, the first year we did it, we did the nosebleed, and then, um, and then I, we enjoyed it so much that uh, that we we we. We we actually got lucky when we when we upped our our season tickets for the next year. They had really good seat, seats available, so we're we're on the floor. Um, I don't know, it's like row Q or something, but they're 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 really good. So we're, um, so 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 we love that. The last couple of shows, as you know, got got canceled for yeah. obviously good reasons, but the new season that like even that's starting it, up in like July. Yeah, I would love to think that what that's the thing even if they say we're good we're gonna you know, your tickets are good show up in july i'm not sure how comfortable i am showing up to a packed theater in july even if i i, I even if it's hamilton oh my god don't yeah that's <laughs> I, I was i was i was literally looking at the calendar like wait, hamilton's in like what october something like that shit i don't want to miss hamilton but i don't i don't god damn it i don't i don't know how safe it is how reasonable it is 
so it's 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 i don't know because i mean you know because like i can't like sporting events they're they're talking about you know like fall of 2021 before like having huge crowds at sporting events becomes a a reasonable thing anymore i have no idea it's just it's this crazy new normal you know it's just but but what also like for kids or for people that have like family members that have like special needs or medical issues whatever this is kind of the normal for a lot of people oh, that sure. have to take these yeah. kind of precautions so it's it's really weird to see how everyone as a whole does it uh-huh. and it, it's not well like we're all falling apart like it is not <laughs> <laughs> you know i was listening to uh the cnn um they have like a a little thing on the coronavirus every night and they were talking to an astronaut that had spent a year on the space station and they're like how do you deal with isolation and he's like <laughs> well um you need a strict schedule or time just kind of because i think we're all like i never know what day it is yeah you know it like it time is really nebulous right now and he's like you need your schedule you need all this stuff and then at the end he said and i would also like to say if i could spend a year in my apartment with my wife or a year alone in the space station I would take the year in the apartment with my wife, so stop complaining. <laughs> and <he's> like, because <laughs> it was wonderful to hear how he dealt with it, but he was also like, "Yeah, you guys, you got Netflix. Like, you're okay." <laughs> but it is so hard. Yeah, it is so hard to be. And um, we had taken a drive down to the Vegas Strip because um, we'll we'll go maybe once a week for like a we'll get in the car, a short drive. We don't get out, you know, but yeah. we need to get out of the house a little bit we went down to the strip and it was a ghost town and mm-hmm. it was so surreal it was like you know stephen king's the stand yeah. <laughs> like just and you know the, the lights are off you couldn't see the rio because the lights were off and and the, the ones that are up and have their lights on have big signs that say we'll get through this together yeah Vegas strong and just this ghost town it was so except for the police there are quite a few police are there yeah and they're just parked and they have their lights on so that people don't walk. And it's it just surreal to see, like, not those crowds of people mm-hmm. that you can just turn wherever you want to in your car because there's not a person. It, it, it That is what makes it so frightening to me is the things that you think you're going to see that you don't, you know, like you don't see people. And then the things you don't expect to see and you do, like people in masks, you yeah. know, it's like this is so out of my normal realm of what I see, that's what makes it frightening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My wife, act- ironically, we were, uh, we're planning on going to the, the strip tonight, but just for that reason, just to get out. Just, to, and just, just see. Yeah, yeah. Just to see it. Cause we haven't been, I mean, you know, we, we haven't been out of the house. Uh, I don't know, whatever it's been five or six weeks, like all like in the mornings, um, like like in, in the mornings, I'll go out and I'll you know I'll I'll take a run, get some fresh air, get a little exercise, um, and then maybe in the afternoon, maybe I'll take a walk just again, just get some fresh air. But outside of say you know uh, t- taking a run around the block or, or whatever, like I, like we haven't been anywhere, so um, I don't even know if I remember how to drive. But well, <laughs> we'll we'll find out tonight. Get in the car, to, you know, take a, take a <laughs> drive to the trip. Thankfully, everyone else will be off the streets, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, man, it's it, it's wild. Well, well you know, I, I, honestly, this it's kind of therapeutic. I, I think just just to talk to somebody about this because it's such a strange experience. But 
the virus isn't the main reason we're chatting. There's actually some some uh, really great stuff going around going on around your writing career. But more specifically, you know, the fact that you are a writer is the main reason that we're talking, because I love talking to writers and that's kind of what you do. So so I would love to start talking about you and your writing and, uh, and your writing career and, and specifically your, your most recent project, which is uh, the, the, the horror anthology, uh, Arterial Bloom. Uh, but before we get to that, I, w- I want to start from from the very beginning, the very beginning. And I would love to know a little bit about uh, you know where you grew up. Oh, I grew up in a really small town in Utah. Um, out in the middle of the desert. Um, and it was a miner's town. It was, my dad worked for the power plant. So very rural. Like one of the things that I'll tell people is you've never had to pull a dead calf out of the road. And it's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, you know, people had their cattle, people had their animals. And if something went wrong, you just fixed it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had to go somewhere and there was something dead in the road, you had to move it because who were you going to call, you know? And it's so different, like moving to Las Vegas, where everybody does everything for you. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, no, come, you know, do this for me. And at home, you just did it. it it's just a different <laughs> mindset, you know. But, yeah, I, I, I liked it. It was it was a religious town. There's a lot of weirdness that went on. Um, we'd go hiking in the desert all the time. When it would rain, it was like these really deep raindrops that were really huge and would hurt when they would hit you. And just kind <laughs> of a really brutal environment in a way, you know? Uh, how long did you uh, live there? Until I was 18. Um, and then I moved out and went to college and like 45 minutes away. And then um, when my husband and I got married, we moved to Seattle, which was like my dream area. And we lo- I loved that. We loved that. And we lived in Finland for a little bit um, and then ended up here. We were supposed to be here for two years and that was like 14 years ago. So... <laughs> I swore I would never live in the desert again. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. We have, you know, we have great health insurance. And so that's pretty much the reason we're here, you know. No, that's great. But, uh, so you said yeah. uh, Finland is in like the, like the country? Like, yeah. That's yeah. wild. How do, so what were the circumstances around that? So my husband was, um, I had already graduated school and he was going and getting his uh, business degree in Seattle, but you can get your international business degree. And so we went to this, the school of um, economics in Helsinki. He went there and we had our first son. So our first kiddo. So I'm there with like a five month old in this like foreign country with my first kid, like we can do this. This is cool. You know? And it was awesome, but it was so different and weird. And so he was going to school during the day. So I would just put Nico, my son on the bus and we would just like go around the country like all day just you know <laughs> and it was so neat and it was um winter time and it was so cold and and people were like oh you poor thing and like you know we came with like here's our coat for our kid and they're like no 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 you need reindeer furs and <laughs> and it was really cool like the people that we met there set us up but um you'd hear the trees like cracking under the weight of the ice at night oh, and wow. just kind of this whole scary, very somber, they're like a very somber people. And um, so it was Christmas time and they would put like a candle in the window for Christmas. (laughs) And you know, back home with like lights and all this stuff in there. It's like, here's this candle and we're gonna sing this Christmas hymn that sounds like a dirge. (laughs) And it was just, it was was amazing. I'd be back in a heartbeat. It was really, really cool. That's awesome. That's very cool. So but it was good to come home too because we were just like, <laughs> okay, we have this new baby. Bye. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, like, so does your son have a dual citizenship? 
No, no, because he was born here, and then oh, we just over. Got it. So he wasn't born there. He was just basically he was new more. He was but... tucked under one arm like a football. Yeah, he was young and portable. <laughs> <laughs> he could sleep in his car seat. We just took him. <laughs> That's cool. And forgive me if I just missed this, but how long did how long were you there? Uh, only about four or five months. Okay. So. Okay. That's cool though. That's wild. So, yeah. so, so, so when you were a kid, uh, so, so, so one thing that I think about a lot is, as a, as a writer myself, is I, is I very often think about like what things that I were entertained, things that entertained me as a kid. And, and then as an adult, I can reflect on how those things ultimately affected my, well, affected me as a person, but also affected me sort of creatively. So like when you were a kid, what were this, what were some of the things that entertained you? You know, I was outside all the time. That's very different from Vegas where you go outside and, and die, kind of, <laughs> the heat. I was outside all the time, and I was on my own all the time. And so I would write a lot. Like, I remember, like, sitting on top of, like, my parents had, like, this old green banana car. I don't know what it was. And I would sit on top of it with a notebook and write. And, you know, I would go in the tree and read. Or I just spent a lot of time kind of in my head. Yeah. And so I, I think that helped me creatively because it, it's not like – now where I was trying to explain this to my children who were like, mom, we're in quarantine, play with us all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> when I was a kid, my parents didn't play with me. Like dad would kind of come and wrestle with us a little bit when he'd come home and then he'd do whatever. They were parents. You were kids. You played with your friends. It wasn't like your parents' job to come be your playmate. And that's really kind of different with our generation. Like we play with our kids. We do all the structured, whatever. My parents didn't play with me. I had to play with my my friends, you know, and so I would find like these weirdo friends that I didn't know and you just go hang out with like strange kids that <laughs> you didn't, you, you know where they came from. They're down for the summer or whatever. And we would just go have these like Stephen King adventures, you know, we, we'd go outside and um, I remember like one time um, we were jumping on top of different buildings. This wasn't very smart and I fell through a chicken coop and landed <laughs> on my back and I thought I broke my back and I didn't. But like I was jumping from building to building and falling through roofs and um, that wouldn't fly today. <laughs> you know? I know where my kids are <laughs> and like our parents kind of didn't and um, that kind of gave us the freedom. But I, I find that I when I write, I use the environment a lot. Like um, like I told you, I grew up in the desert and my I have a book called Pretty Little Dead Girls that we're actually turning into a graphic novel right now, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that's awesome. And, the desert is the like the villain. The desert is like prowling around trying to like kill this girl and it leaves like dusty footprints on the, her front door and things like that because we spend so much time out in the desert and it has this kind of, you know, primitive, it's older than you are. You know, if you're looking out at it at, at night, it's looking back at you sort of feel to it. And that, that I found very like awesome, inspiring, but also very scary. So yeah. I, I wrote about that. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Pretty Little Dead Girls, by the way, the, the, the cover of that book is gorgeous. And um, I, my, uh, my my wife happened to walk by when I was looking at it and, it and it caught her attention. And she's like, oh, that's such a beautiful cover. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chatting with the Mercedes today. So uh, so so for, for whatever that's worth, I, I have nothing to say except for gorgeous cover and and, uh, and my wife who, who pays very little attention to, to, to anything I'm doing with this podcast. Stop to stop to, and she was struck by by uh, by that book cover. I'm so glad Galen Dara did that cover, and she won the Hugo for like her art. She's amazing. I but it. I, 
I contacted her specifically and I was like, hey, so will you do a cover for me? And she's like, yeah. And that's kind of how it went. And that's the voice that we used. <laughs> that's what we sounded like. But my other friend, she does manicures and she's been doing a lot while she's in um, isolation. She calls it the manicure because she's, <laughs> you know, and she's been doing manicures for book covers. And she did one from Pretty Little Dead Girls with the Little Leaves and the Trees. And it's beautiful. That's but very it, cool. Yeah, Galen is. She's good. She's really good. So thank you. No, okay. no, my thank you for for having that available to to look at. It's gorgeous. So okay, so you talked about uh, you know you enjoyed reading as a kid. You enjoyed writing. You enjoyed being in you know being in your head. Uh, was there a point to the best that, as best as you can remember? Was there ever a point where that that you recall that that this thing I do of like being in my head and making up stories and writing where this is a thing that I can actually do, that people do this, and that, that it's, it's possibly, it's, it's, a, it's a career option. People can actually, you know, write. And even if you weren't thinking about money as a kid, just was there a time where you realized, like, oh, this is a thing that people do, and maybe this is a thing that I can do? You know, I had a, a teacher when I was in third grade that was like, you're really good at this. And I was like, what? <laughs> and because um, that's, like, again, my voice. And... Uh, <laughs> I went into, what's it called, 4-H? 4-H, and they had like a writing 4-H, and I, I did that, and I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't realize, I also, you know, wanted to be an astronaut, and, <laughs> you know, study whales, so probably I wanted to study space whales and then write about them, but um, I, I, I wanted to be a writer, but then when I got older, I kind of thought that wasn't realistic. I thought it was realistic when I was a kid. Like, yeah, you write books, and that's amazing. And then when I, like, graduated high school, I stopped writing because you had to, like, get a real job. Sure. You know? And that was my – I shouldn't have done that. But when I started writing again, it was kind of like, wow. You know, it, it, it's, it's a pie in the sky. Like, other people write. I like to write, but really I should be working, like, a job doing accounting or something horrible, <laughs> horrific like that. That's what my husband does. Something horrific like that <laughs> because – Writing isn't, you know, responsible, and I need to be responsible. And um, I'm glad that I finally, you know, after several years, got over that because it, it made me miserable. Mm -hmm. You know, it just was a part of my soul, and it was like like a punishment. You know, you can write when you're done eating your vegetables. You know, and <laughs> right. you never get done eating your vegetables in life. Like you, so when I started to do it, it was like this gift I gave myself after like years of, okay, you've got a kid with special needs buckle down and do that you know and then one day i'm like no write a story and that was so freeing yeah yeah now, so did, uh where'd you go to school by the way SU uh, in uh utah okay city. so what you just talked about uh right now of sort of like seeing writing is you know writing was this nice thing but you had to focus on something a little bit more pragmatic career-wise did that affect what you studied in school it should it should have i um <laughs> i actually studied sociology okay. um originally i was going to go up in logan and i was going to be a social worker and i got in the program and i had my apartment and stuff like that and um i ended up trying to avoid somebody at school and so i changed schools changed majors and came to this other school and got into sociology because that's kind of the only major at that late point that i could kind of really get into mm -hmm. also up at logan if you're not a creative writing major you don't get to take creative writing classes oh no way and i was like yeah i'm like you can't you can't do that to me so here i was a sociology major which is you know what is sociology where is that going to get you <laughs> um but um a creative writing minor 
And so I ended up working at a sex offender home, which was really difficult and hard. And it was for male juvenile sex offenders. Hmm. So their age is 13 to 21. And I was 21 at the time. So I'm like staffed with people that are like my age. And it was really hard and really grueling, but I needed the money, you know? What kind of work? I I met some kind of social worker. What were you doing? I was I was a a counselor. I was just staff. So um, for every three kids, you would have one staff. So I was like making sure they're not molesting each other or me or other staff. I'd oversee like they had a a therapist. I would make sure that they were doing their therapy, doing their notebooks, not acting out. And it was just awful. They had like 40 guys that worked there and three women. And the two other women worked during the day like while they're in school and just sat with them while they're in school and made sure that they weren't touching each other or anything. Um, and passing papers or like everything was, uh, you couldn't do anything cause we're a really high level house. Mm-hmm. Next step was lockdown. We weren't locked down. We were the next closest thing. So oh, we, wow. had, okay. they didn't do anything that we didn't know. And then I was the only one that worked with them in the afternoon. So like actually with them. And so it was, it was difficult. It was really hard to go to work and be like the only woman there and be like, okay, you know, and I had part of my job was to be like, this is how you treat a woman. Mm -hmm. And this is how you talk with a woman. And, you know, you don't objectify us and you don't rape us and you don't hurt us. And, you know, we have conversations because a lot of them had been taught, you know, different uh-huh. things and it was so I would go to school and then I would go to that job and then I would cry and then go <laughs> to school <laughs> and it was it was hard I tried really hard to be a good responsible productive citizen and it it killed my soul I mean it was you know but that's what I felt that I should yeah. be doing and I um worked and put my husband through school mm-hmm. and you know after I graduated he graduated and I don't know. Yeah. I paid dues. I paid my dues. Absolutely, you did. That's <laughs> that, that sounds. I mean, just, even if even if you had a a, a job that wasn't as kind of yeah, <laughs> as, as horrific as what you described, just as as somebody uh, and, and and you know, and I I don't know what certainly how many how many people can relate with this, but I think you and I are on the same page where if if you're you know creative and and artistic and you're your your heart and your soul is at at its peak happiness when you're just free and, and writing and, and telling stories or whatever when you take that person and, and and you put them into sort of a you know a structured nine to five corporate ish in environment it's it's fucking soul sucking it is it's yeah. like it's like I could feel all my beautiful raw edges just being worn away into this, I don't know, the, this beige ball of nothing. Like I had no soul. Yeah. I had no soul, you know? And and I couldn't write because I was like essentially traumatized. <laughs> but also, you know, you know, and I, I worked also other jobs at the time, like little tiny jobs trying to make money and, you yeah. know, do things and Oh man. Yeah. So it was, and, and writing seemed like such a, not an unworthy pursuit, but other people get to pursue that. Mm-hmm. I had to have my nose to the grindstone. I had to do this, Yeah, you know, and, and writing was for people that had more time or more leisure or more joy or whatever. You know, I was <laughs> a worker and my mom, one of my favorite things that my mom says, and maybe this is not, it shouldn't be my favorite thing. She goes, 
our family's not uh, not smart enough to stay down when we get knocked down. She goes, like, we get knocked down, and then we just stand back up and keep going. She's like, at some point, probably we smarter to stay down for a while, but we don't. And, and we don't. <laughs> We're all like, oh, okay, you know. Like, my, my favorite quote is that fall seven times, stand up eight. Uh-huh. But maybe there should be a point where we should just lay down for a minute, let like the waves roll over us and then like, okay, I got this. But we just <laughs> pop right back up. We're just, you know, and I don't know. So when I did decide like, okay, I'm going to write is because we moved here and um, I had this small child in this apartment and it was hot. And I was like, and my husband had started his job and was gone all the time. And I had um, quit work so that I could be home because he needed full-time care. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to put him in like a daycare he needed you know he needed a lot of help he was trying to die all the time with his medical issues and I was like I need something to do I just I I need an outlet and so I wrote this story I wrote this my first book for NaNoWriMo if you've heard of NaNoWriMo and I was like I'm gonna write it and it was like like unleashing this dam of (laughs) everything and and I was like why have I not let myself do this Mm -hmm. you know why have I just put this off? Yeah. And it was like, screw responsibility. You know, he's alive. Let's, let's write. So. <laughs> I, it's, I, I, I know with 100% certainty, certainty, whatever, I know exactly what you're talking about. I had my own experience like that. Um, uh, when I was, so when I was in school, I, I, um, I was an English major, I majored in English and I, they had a creative writing concentration. Um, so I was doing that. Uh, and it was like my first, uh, it was my first quarter at, uh, at, uh, university. I, I had done like five years at the uh, community college. I, 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 you know, I spent, you know, five years earning my two year degree and then I transferred and then it was my first uh, quarter at university. And I was very excited because I was going to major in English and they had a creative concentration, creative writing concentration. And up to that point, um, I had just, you know, pie in the sky aspirations of sort of wanting to be a writer, but I had no idea what that meant, what it looked like. If you even, even if I like turned on the switch in my head, like I'm going to be a writer, not a clue what to do with any of that you know, aspiration. So I was so excited to like, okay, I'm an English major. That's a thing. I've, I've heard of that. And I'm going to take creative writing classes that that's cool. And they're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to learn something. They're going to point me in the right direction. And my, my first quarter was, uh, it was n- not the whole school experience, but specifically the creative writing experience was kind of horrible. And so <laughs> when it was by the end of the quarter and, you know, I, so the, the, the main professor who, who's, whose class I took um, for, for well over a decade now in my brain, I try to give her the benefit of the doubt and say, she didn't mean to do that, I don't think, but oh, no. <laughs> but just basically just just completely uh, I w- w- when I was done, I, I my, my my thought process was, man, I'm terrible at this. why why did I ever think that I could be a writer? this that was silly of me. Uh, you know I, I'm, I'm so glad that I learned this early enough in my life that, I won't. I won't lose so many years pursuing this thing that I'm clearly bad at, and and I shouldn't be doing. Because if I was any good at it, then this experience would have been a much better experience. Even though the uh, the, the 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 terrible teacher, who you know what, she, whatever, maybe she. 
who knows what she was I, I'm sure she was doing her best maybe I don't know but it was a horrible experience and so 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 in my mind I did make the decision okay I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to be a writer anymore that's glad I saved myself some humiliation I still like reading and I still like books so I'll just whatever I'll just I don't know I'll study literature or something I'll be a I'll I'll, I'll write literary analysis essays I'm sure people make money doing that I, I had no idea what I was going to do so so I spent another quarter taking everything but creative writing classes and then uh I, in um uh I was in just a it was an English class, but it was like yeah, composition, so I had nothing to do with creative writing. And so the teacher in that class, it was like the end of the quarter. It was one of those, it was it was like there was nothing else to do in class. So just for fun, he was like, hey, we're going to just do like a creative writing uh, exercise for the day just for fun. And, and in my head, I was like, we can't do that. I, I've quit doing this. You can't. Well, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll play along with this exercise, but, you know, whatever. So he gave us this exercise. And uh, so I'm sitting there just, just, you know, just going through this creative writing exercise, just writing a story that he gave us a prompt for. And within a couple of sentences, uh, I'm just like overwhelmed with happiness and euphoria. And I, I remember it so clearly. My, my hand with my, with, with, with my pencil in it was literally, it, it was quivering with, with, with adrenaline. And, uh, and it, it it was almost to to a word what you explained is why why am I not doing this, why am I not doing this thing that clearly makes me so happy? Now even if even as I had that epiphany, my thought was, okay, I mean I'm still bad at it, but it makes me happy. So I'm gonna I'll just do this thing that I'm bad. Nobody no one ever has to read my stories. I'll just do this thing that makes me happy. But it was it was you know I I had that 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 epiphany of. What, what? Why am I? Why, why am I plugging up this dam? Why am I not doing this thing that clearly, clearly makes me happy? And then, then whatever thing, things kind of uh, unfolded from there. Now, now in your case, so okay, so one of the things that every, most any, most any writer or anybody who's even endeavored to become a writer, what they know is about the only, perhaps the thing that's more difficult than getting published is is actually getting representation getting getting a, a literary agent uh, if, if you're not a writer that uh, that probably doesn't mean much of anything to you but if, if you've ever tried to get a literary agent you know what a wildly challenging wall that is to, to break through and, and and most writers don't uh but you did you actually have literary representation which you know i'm always wildly impressed by anybody who's actually managed to 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 to, to, to do that to get representation so uh so so I, w I would love to hear what what that journey was to to getting a representation well it's funny because um this is actually my second agent uh, my first i had gotten through a kind of a pitch contest uh -huh. where it's like pitch your book in a hundred words and i pitched pretty little dead girls which is about a girl who's destined to be murdered and um i pitched it and didn't win but the agent that was um judging was like I would like you to send me that. And it was a back and forth and it was awful and awkward. And when I had my first agent call, <laughs> I, we were in a different time zone and we had the time zones wrong. And, um, I was talking to him and took a drink cause I was nervous. And then I started to choke oh, no. and he's all like, Mercedes, 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 do you need me to call an ambulance? And I'm like, <laughs> no. And I just, it was, 
everything that could go wrong did. And, um, candid, he, he signed me and, um, <laughs> we had a really hard time selling pretty little dead girls because it's just a really niche book. It's like a fairy tale with a high body count mm-hmm. and people are like, I like it, but I don't know where to put it. And we eventually had to kind of part ways because we believed in it. But if I wrote something a little more formulaic, like Dan Brown, he'd be able to sell that a little bit easier, right. but I'm not Dan Brown. I'm, I'm, I'm me. And, um, and my, second agent, Italia, she is phenomenal. Um, she scares me <laughs> in the best of ways. And she um, represents one of my friends, and he actually sent her my way. And I wasn't looking for representation at that time. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like a little bit burned out on it and kind of going through a um, a little bit of a crisis. And what is it, what, you know, what is it I want? What is it that, right, like what do I – define a success. I don't have a five-year plan. You know what, you know? <laughs> and anyway, she's like, Hey girl, you should talk to me. And and so we talked on the phone and she's like, yeah, you know, let's do this. And I was like, rock on. And she's, she's a rock star and she's fearless. And I had some like really difficult dealings with different, different publishing houses. And she just kind of goes in and unpicks those knots that I had, you know, because oh, I was awesome. trying to do everything on my own. And she's all like, Oh, just uh, talk to me first, you know? <laughs> and, um, she has a really clear vision of what she wants. And I'm like, I'm a wind up doll. You wind me up and send me where, you know, cause I, I I'm doing like 20 projects at one time, you know, uh-huh. I'm doing the, the, um, a, a novella and short stories. And I was doing the anthology and I was doing, you know, some kids books and the graphic novel and all these things. And she's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I would like you to clean your plate and then work on this. So I have, um, something due to her in like two months that I need to do. But that, that was, that was the easiest thing that ever happened to me. The second agent, I had never had anything fall into place like that before. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you know, struggle, struggle, struggle. If there's a rock, I'll throw myself against it. You know, everything that you claw to you, like get to where you need to be. And she just was like, Hey, are you open to representation? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, let's do this, you know, and it's, it's amazing. That's she just, awesome. has, yeah, she has foresight. She knows what she wants. She's like, this is, you know, give me this on this date. I can do that. I can't figure it out on my own. I am, I am a kite. I am, you know, a flower in the raging river. You know, I don't have any direction. And she's just like, go that way. And I'm like, okay, going. I can do that. That's awesome. So, That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, so when she reached out to you at, at that point, was it? Uh, so, well, you said that uh, you know your friend kind of kind of put you guys mm-hmm. in touch. So before she reached out to you, was she uh, like looking at your work and decided that uh, this sounds great, or was it just kind of a did you guys talk for the first time and then she learned about you, or, or do or do you even know? My friend had had mentioned me a couple times to her, and uh, she had kind of had her antenna up, and it was uh, Todd Keesling who was just a phenomenal writer on his own just he has found his uh dev- book devil's creek is coming out soon i think in july and it's one to read but um he had mentioned her or me to her and and he said hey italia's kind of a little interested in you and i was like really does she think i'm cute you know <laughs> and so he um and, and that's how he just talked about me and then eventually was like maybe you should look into repping her a little bit you know but just because we worked todd and i worked together on so many different things and and stuff like that. He's one of the ones. He did the cover of Arterial Bloom. Todd did. And he has a story mm-hmm. inside Arterial Bloom. So we have a lot of our things that are just kind of connected. And so he, um, we rubbed elbows enough that she was like, hmm. And and 
I think was familiar with me beforehand because she's like, okay, let's get to know you. I like you. How about this? And I think she offered representation on that first phone call. I, I think if I remember correctly, but it was smooth sailing and that just baffles me. You That's know, I'm awesome. just not used to that. Yeah, that was, it was awesome. I'm like, I am so incredibly lucky. And, and I realized it, yeah. you know, I realized I was lucky. It wasn't, wasn't taken for granted. Yeah. And honestly, I, like that's, that story makes more sense to me in terms of uh, how agents and authors get together, just because I know that even before, like, like even before the, the, the internet became a, a big part of how, you know, people communicated, um, you know, agents were just, just, just via snail mail. Yeah, they were getting, you know, probably conservatively a thousand query letters a month. And that's probably like a conservative number. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, uh, maybe 10 some odd years ago um, was when, when I was like, like really, really knee deep in the process of trying to find uh, representation for, uh, I imagine it was my first book. And, and, you know, like my, my, my process was I, like, I would do some research, uh, write up a, a, a letter, uh, print it out on a, on, 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 on some, on some nice paper because, you know, any little thing right, that yeah. stand out, you know, paper, uh, yeah. go, you know, go to the, go to the post office. I think the people at the post office, they got used to, to seeing me every, you know, every week to drop off, you know, like more queries. Um, uh, maybe, may you know, if you were lucky, you got a rejection if, you know, otherwise you, you know, like you heard nothing. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was, and, and, you know, and when, when you did send it out, um, I eventually came to understand that, uh, the agent's not opening that envelope. It's going to be their assistant or an intern or something like that. And then that person, if it sounds interesting to them, they might put it in a pile and then eventually, uh, the agent might take a look at it and it's like, and it's such this, you know, long, crazy road. It's like, I can't even, I can't imagine how anybody gets through that way. So your story makes a lot more sense that, uh, you know, that it's a little bit more organic that, uh, you know, somebody knows somebody that the agent has a, a space for somebody or they're looking for a certain type of author. And then they, it turns out they know somebody who knows somebody and then you guys chat, um, that makes more sense, and, and, but and, and as you acknowledge, it's, it's kind of a, um, kind of a stroke of luck. But by the same time, it also kind of, it, it's, it it all it almost seems like that story is more likely to happen than to sort of, kind of try to break through and win the lottery. Of, and, and actually, as I say that again, that was a thousand letters, uh, queries by snail mail with 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 email. I mean, I have to imagine you could probably multiply that tenfold. I'm sure they're getting, you know, 5,000, 10,000 queries a, a month, you know, however many that turned into a year. And in a year, I can't, I don't imagine any agents taking on more than three or four clients, new clients a year. So the odds, the, the odds are uh, astronomical. So, so, so again, for anybody who breaks through like yourself, it's, it's, um, it's great. It's wild. And then as you kind of mentioned with the first agent, even if you do beat all the odds and you, and you get that representation, sometimes they just can't sell the book, which becomes like, man, that's crazy. You, like you, like you got over this huge hump. You, you did this one thing that so many authors never get to do. And it still didn't reach that, that initial payoff. It's, it's rough. That, 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 you know, that little diatribe took a somber turn that I wasn't planning on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you, you think that getting, and, and you're told that, 
kind of getting an agent is your end all. Yeah. You know, you get your agent and you're golden and it's not. And I've been lucky that, you know, I love Italia and I loved my previous agent, but like so many people get bad agents yeah. and having a bad agent is so much worse than no agent at all. But you feel like it's this like, you know, you got your agent and you're golden and you're not, mm-hmm. you know, you still got all this other stuff to do. It's just kind of like, yeah, you hit the level and then you look up and realize there's like 14 more stories to go and you're like, uh, <laughs> let me just sit here and take a breather climb, you know, but yeah, but at least you have somebody helping you with that yeah. climb at 100%. this point. So, so, uh, so uh, amongst, uh, amongst your other, uh, really, really fantastic accomplishments, you're also a Bram Stoker award winner. Yes. I have it right here. You want to see it? I would love to see it. Ugh. It's this little haunted house. <laughs> it has a door. Right, that opens and closes and has like my name in it. And my daughter plays with it all the time. We have like I have all these little tchotchkes, right? <laughs> and they like live in the haunted house. And it's just fun. But it it I'm proud of it. I'm proud of you it. Should be. Um, thank you. I am. I uh was kind of going in between um publishing companies at that time and it was kind of at a really low level, like just frustrated and all this this stuff and didn't really, you know campaign i was like oh yeah i have the story out i don't know if you can find it because it's kind of in between people <laughs> and um when i won i didn't have a speech prepared because i so didn't expect to win <laughs> it was my it was my first nomination and everything and I, I stood up and was like i don't have a speech thank you bye <laughs> um but they can ne- I, they can never take that from me Absolutely you know i have not. this yeah I have this award that it's says fantastic. that somebody found value in. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. In, in, in 209 episodes of this podcast, you're only the, the second uh, Stoker award winner. I've. Oh, I've really? Yeah. Yeah. My, my previous is uh, Eric Gennard. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. I imagine. I imagine, you know, him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, terrific. Really, just just an absolute sweetheart. He, like he's one of those people that uh, like any success he has makes you happy. Like, well, yeah, he deserves everything yeah. he's such a sweet guy and then uh, and that was probably i think i spoke to him uh somewhere in the area of uh, of, of, of 20 2015 i think so so, so i've had a five-year drought give or take uh but but you've ended the drought i have my second i'm delighted to Stoker bring that award drought. winner on the show <laughs> and now you know my award is a play thing like I could, <laughs> we put it out for our christmas village we decorate it and put it out with the christmas village and here's this halloween house and you know <laughs> but we decorate with bones and skulls anyway. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the story that you went for. Yeah, it's called Little Dead Red. And it's a kind of a modern retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. Um, and it takes place now. And um, Alita, who's Little Dead Red, she wears her red hoodie. And she goes to go visit her mom and like the, her, her grandmother in the nursing home. Because her grandmother's sick. She gets on the bus and she um, goes missing. And so it's all about this. They find pieces of her body. And so it's about her mom who feels this like intense guilt that she sent her daughter on this bus and she was going to follow her and just was, was too late. You go first. I'll come later. And it's all about the mom trying to like find this wolf. She calls him the wolf. And so she's trying to track down who she thinks killed her daughter. And it's, it's dark. It's, um, (laughs) it's really dark. My mom doesn't read my work. My mom's a librarian and she won't read my work. And she's like, I started little dead red. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) why don't you read this other one? And she's like, I'm at the part where they make soup together. Remember how we used to make soup? And I'm like, yeah, stop there. <laughs> yes, they're making soup for grandma. Stop there, mom. That's it. That's where the story ends, you know? <laughs> Did but you finish it, it, by the way? 
What? Did mom finish the story? Oh, no. No, she stopped. <laughs> my dad finished the story. My my dad's like, good job, kiddo. He's like, you know, feeling queasy and stuff. He'll read all <laughs> of my work. And uh, he's, he's, my, he's my biggest support. My dad and my husband. My husband won't read it all, but he'll buy it all. And I'm like, thanks. I have a copy of that, but I've actually read that before, babe. But thanks for buying it. You know, <laughs> I know how that story ends. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really timely. It has to do with um, sexual assault mm. and um, different things like that, and um, some really serious uh, themes. And uh, it it was difficult. I, I cried when I wrote it because mm. um, you have to go really deep into it yeah um and i love fairy tale retellings because they are all dark and yeah. deep, scary and grim and um I've, I've done a couple of those but um yeah it's it's one of my favorite things i wrote no it, it, it sounds terrific and I, I i love dark fiction like that i love uh any sort of incorporation of of, of, of fairy tales or, or retelling of a fairy tale i love that stuff so it sounds right up my alley so i'll, I'll definitely have to check that one out uh, by any chance are you familiar he's not a, a a horror author but are you familiar with jasper ford no i'm not okay so jasper ford a wonderful writer just super creative writer um i'm pretty sure i, I think i think he's uh i think he's uh from from uh london i, I think but he's got a, a series of books. I think there's maybe only two of them in the series, but he calls them the, the nursery crime series. Um, okay. And so, so the first book of, uh, of the series is called the fourth bear. And it's a, uh, it's a story about this journalist uh, uh, who's uh, thinker, her nickname is Goldie. And, and she went to do a, she went to go to investigate a story in the woods about, about these uh, anthropomorphic bears, but then she disappeared. So now there's there's a detective who's trying to find out what happened to you know to 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 Goldie, and so you know he goes to to this house and so he's you know where these bears live and he sees these bowls of porridge and uh and, you know you know one you know one bowl is too hot and one is too cold but one is just right and just this this doesn't seem well there there, there had to be a fourth bear, uh so it's, so it's basically this uh this this detective noir, uh mystery story. That's essentially a retelling of of, of, uh, of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and it's fantastic and it's really creative. the 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 main antagonist is a uh, the gingerbread man, and <laughs> and and it, and it's wild because it's like it, it's not a, it's not a horror story, and yet by the time the story has developed, this gingerbread man, he's fucking terrifying. But it, he's a cookie, but he's like this psychotic, like Hannibal Lecter ish, you know, character. Um, so it's fantastic, and then the other the other one is called uh, the the Big Over Easy, which again sort of a detective noir retelling of um, of Humpty Dumpty. Um, so so really good stuff. But anyway, I, as you were describing you know, you know the uh, Little Red Dead, it started to make me think about the you know these other stories. So um, I, I suspect you'd probably enjoy it. Um, yeah, you know, that that, that, that yeah. type of writing. Um, he, he's written some other really cool stuff too, but those, those two in particular is what, uh, what came to mind. So, so again, so we, in the beginning, we talked about, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're both in Las Vegas and, um, eventually, you know, once, once, uh, whenever it is that, uh, that the, that the pandemic is over and people can actually hang out again, well, we'll, we should definitely have a, uh, a face-to-face conversation because it's silly for us not to do this face-to-face, but with that in mind, uh, you're 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 pretty active in the Las Vegas writing community. 
Um, I, I, I see your name turn up a lot for, for several different events in, in Las Vegas. So tell me a little bit about just your, just, uh, here, well, it's twofold. So I'll, I'll get to the, uh, to, 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 to the real crux of my question, which is, uh, how do I be more like Mercedes Yardley? But the actual question is, uh, uh, had, how do you go about being so active and so involved with the uh, Vegas writing community? Well, to be like me, you wear higher heels than what I assume you're going to be wearing right now. I will start but with that. <laughs> start with that. That's the best. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I feel like the Las Vegas writing community is kind of really fractured. Mm -hmm. Like there's kind of all these different, I don't feel like we have like one big, huge cohesive community. Mm -hmm. Like, um, the Las Vegas uh, Book Festival, I love, right? Mm. But you don't really hear a lot about it unless you're already tuned in. So I kind of tried to tune into like little areas of it. I, I joined the Las Vegas Writers Group first when I first moved down here. And that's where I found kind of my writing group. And, and we called ourselves the Illiterati and we met in a bar <laughs> and all, you know, wrote and played video games and stuff and went to each other's like, one time we were at there at a meeting and my my uh, friend that was there, she's like, okay, well, I'm going into labor right now. And we're like, okay, well, let's go. Like, and <laughs> we're very involved in each other's life. Um, so I joined a couple of writers groups and then I kind of tried to reach out. So they have that, um, I can't remember what it's called right now. It's the one where you read your writing and somebody paints what you are reading. Oh, wow. And it's, it's phenomenal. I'll have to look up the name for that. I, I can't remember anything with this pandemic. Like all of my knowledge has just <laughs> seeped out. Um, unless it's like having to do with sourdough. Cause I hopped on that train, um, <laughs> the sourdough bread train. But, um, I try and be active because, um, it just feels like Vegas is a town of hustle. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And if you don't use it, you lose it. So, um, I, I, tr I try to like volunteer and say, you know, do you need, does anybody need me to like teach a class in creative writing at, at, down at the school. I've done that a couple times and kind of try to ask if people need stuff. At this point, um, people ask me, which is kind of nice, mm -hmm. because um, it's just nice to be asked to dance instead of being <laughs> one asking. But um, I try and just kind of, you know, that there's a dime grinds that does readings, just uh, the Henderson Writers Group, just kind of different groups, just mm -hmm. kind of see if they need anything. And you kind of run across the same people there. And it's nice because they'll be like, hey, I have something going on. I need something. Can you help me? And you just kind of find who kind of seems to run at your speed mm -hmm. that you want to do things with. And we kind of, you know, I find the writing community is really good at being like, oh, you would like this person. You would like this book. You would like this agent. You know, we're yeah. not, you know, colleagues are not competition. Yeah. We're I, I like that a lot. And and I have that kind of very open, um, if I have knowledge, I'll share it, mm -hmm. you know, and most of the people I hang out with, I tend to be the same way. There are some that are very like, I won't tell you lest you get ahead <laughs> of me. And it's like, well, I don't need to hang out with you then because that's just kind of, I don't need to be with someone so closed off, you know? Totally. I mean, we can pick and choose who we're going to isolate with. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Cause I've, I've been in Vegas. I've, I've lived in Vegas. Uh, Going on five years. Well, yeah, yeah, going on five years. I moved here November first, twenty fifteen. But when I, I moved from Southern California, uh, but in Southern California, uh, my story was a lot more similar to, to yours, where I was a lot more active. I was uh, my my uh, my hustle game was was a lot more at uh, maximum capacity. I was doing a lot of everything from sitting at a going to whatever like a 
going to the library, sitting at a table with whatever, 30 other writers, doing panels, uh, doing talks, doing creative writing workshops. Um, and then over time, similar to you, got to where I was um, entrenched enough in, in that particular community where I would start to get uh, invites or I'd get an email or a phone call or whatever. It's like, oh, uh, so-and-so said that you would be great to sit on this panel or whatever. And it was wonderful. And I loved I loved being part of that sort of uh, network and that community and just sort of being active. And then when I moved to Vegas, I, I, I don't know what happened, but I, like whatever that muscle was, I feel like I lost it. And then it's like, I, I couldn't even remember, like, how did I even start? How did I even kickstart that sort of, uh, that hustle in the, you know, when I was in California and, and, uh, and admittedly, like I haven't gone out of my way to, to figure it out in, in Vegas, but then, uh, you know, as I was preparing for our conversation and like seeing all the stuff you do, I started to get like nostalgic. I was like, I, I used to do that shit. Why don't I do that anymore? So, uh, so, so then, so, so then really this whole conversation is like, okay, I got, I got to figure out how to be more like Mercedes. So, 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 so don't spring it on her right away, but at some point figure out how to, how to, how to, how to glom onto to, to her mojo. I'll, I'll, I'll send you who you should talk to. I have a woman that is just really good in being in the, like, she knows what's going on everywhere. That's I'll send you her information I, and she'll tell you. I love I, it. I'm kind of like now I, I I feel like I've taken a huge step back, you oh. know, I just kind of for the last kind of been spinning my wheels for the last year a little bit, mm-hmm. working on different things and not promoting like I used to. Yeah. And yeah. And um, I don't know if that's good or not, you yeah. know, I, honestly. So part of the reason that that's actually part of the reason I ended up starting this podcast four or five years ago, whenever it was, is uh, or actually six years ago. Holy shit. Okay. I, I haven't actually done the math. I guess it's been about six years. Anyway, that's not the point of my thought. But part of the reason I started this podcast was um, w- after I put my first book out, it was it it was it was much more successful than I actually expected it to be, which is a good thing. I was excited about that. But, you know, like I'd spent maybe like five years working on it and then it was done and it was out and uh, people were connecting with it. And I was like, this is great but then i started thinking like i don't know when the next book is coming out maybe it's going to be another five years i have no idea so then i started to get a a bit a little bit nervous of like well what happens between you know like people at some point people are going to forget about this book and all of that wonderful attention that i'm getting what what do i do with that i don't want it just i don't want it to go away so part of the idea yeah so part of the idea for the podcast is it's a thing that I can do at the time weekly. And for anybody who cares to pay attention to me, it'll keep me in their, in their, in in the, in, you know, in their head basically. Um, but yeah, but again, yeah, I came to Vegas and just that, that sort of thing went away. But it, I, I think it's not a bad thing to sort of, you know, as you kind of talk about sort of dip out a little bit, even if for a year or so, I think, I think it's totally okay just to sort of, you know, not that you walked away, but just like take a break from the promotional part of it and just be creative. Because I definitely had, there, there was definitely a point in time where I, I I was burnt out, but I didn't realize it. All I knew was that it my 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 instinct was okay. People care now, so just keep going until they stop caring because you know don't don't waste this opportunity. And it was like going, 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 doing as much as I could. 
And then it, then I realized that I was spending more time promoting, interviewing, like doing stuff than actually writing, which, which, which is, which was the fun part. And so, so, so I don't know if it was like a decision you made, but I know at my point that for me, there was definitely a point where I, like I had, to, I made a conscious decision to turn that stuff off for a while and just, just write for a little bit. And if people forget about you, you whatever, it, it, it's fine. You'll, you'll find them again. They'll find you again, or you'll find a new audience or, or whatever. Um, I think that was part of it too. I think that was probably right around the time I came to Vegas. Um, and then I started working on some new, some new stories. Uh, and then, but now I, I'm at a point again, inspired by, by talking to you, but then also, cause I, you know, I'm in a new place. I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I know anybody. So, so this will, this will be great in Las Vegas specifically. This will, yeah. So this, this will be cool. Are you still involved uh, with the, uh, with the Horror Writers Association in, in Las Vegas? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a member of it still, but I'm not the co-chair. I stepped down um, from being co-chair. Uh, my friend Tim Chismar and I mm-hmm. actually started it. Started it. Yeah. And uh, they'd asked me for about four or five years to start a chapter. And I'm like, I just, I don't have time, you guys. I just don't have time. And Tim's like, oh, help. And I was like, oh, no. So we started it and it was awesome. But it, it's a lot of time. I imagine. And yeah. so we... Um, yeah, so you step down and, and, and give it to someone else that just is phenomenal and he'll do a great job with it. But I'm so happy to come. I'm just happy to not be in charge. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm involved um, and uh, I like it. I mean, Vegas is a, a cool horror community, but again, kind of like the writer's community, it's all fractured. So you have like sure. all these people that do, you know, films and all these things and they don't know who each other are. You know, it's yeah. not like we used to have a, a it was called KillerCon. And Ralph James White started this killer con um, conference here in Vegas. And it's since moved, since he's moved, it's, I think, in Texas now. But that was cool because we had people that were kind of like all came together and you could kind of meet each other. And, and that kind of fell by the wayside. It's kind of, it's interesting that for such a place built on entertainment, mm-hmm. it's like not um, meant to sustain artists. You, uh, you know what I mean? That yeah. like just the communication's really off and... No one knows, you know, we're like, hey, KillerCon's going on. People are like, what, KillerCon? And it's like, yeah, we've been promoting it for a year, and no one had heard about it. And <laughs> just kind of interesting, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird area. Vegas is kind of a nebulous vortex of just strangeness, you know? <laughs> it like, is. It's, it's a totally unique kind of town. It, I've never lived anywhere quite like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. We don't live in casinos like people think that we do. But there is, it, but everything is catered toward tourists, uh-huh. and it's there's no real infrastructure on different things. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, Tim Chismar, he's one of those writers that I met in Southern California back when I was, uh, yeah, part you know part of that scene. Yeah, yeah, he he's a bundle of energy, Tim Chismar. He is a bundle. He wears me out, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I had this whirlwind like when he first moved to town where he's like, let's go do stuff. And finally, I'm like, okay, I have three kids. Like, I can't just leave for a week, you know, all the time. And he's like, let's go here. Let's go. Let's do this. And I'd have to like, for every like six things he'd invite me to, I could go to like two. And I was still worn out. I mean, he is amazing in that way. He is just all over the place and knows everybody. He has every connection yeah. known to mankind. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, like like a savant with uh, networking, you know, like what, like he was right. uh, like when, when I first started the podcast, he was on uh, 
Uh, I spoke to him several times, maybe, uh, I don't know, the, maybe th- three or four times in, in the, in the, in the, uh, some of the early episodes. Um, and he was always like, it, it was almost like him and two, you know, like two other really interesting people to talk to. So it's like, uh, so he would come on the show and then he would just bring just like just some really interesting character, whether it was a, a, a writer or a, or a professional wrestler or, 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 or whoever, uh, he just would just know these interesting people and, it, and, 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 uh, and just, you know, uh, and like his, like the conversations I have with him, you know, you, you, like you can just, it, like it, it, it comes right through. He's just like this wild, charismatic, just bundle of energy that sort of, you know, just like pours out onto, onto the, onto the microphone. Right. It's infectious. It just, <laughs> he would come to my house um, and my, my daughter wrote him a sign that said, welcome Tim. And anytime he would come over, she would like hold up this little sign, welcome Tim. And she like misses that he doesn't come over. Well, I mean, no one comes over now, but <laughs> that he doesn't come over as much because he, you know, we would sit there and we would talk about the Horror Writers Association and he would like draw little characters and show her, you know, he just doodles while he talks. Yeah. And like yeah. my daughter is just like, you know, just cause he's so fun and crazy and loud and just, you know, <laughs> just, you know, it was like, like Tim was coming over. It was a play date. You know, and I'm like, Tim's here to talk with mom, kids. Like, you guys have to. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Come on, kids. Love on me for a while. I mean, yeah. Oh, I want I want that. Energy. I mean, he wears me out, man. He just, <laughs> go, go, go. Do, do, do. You know, write this, write that. And he's not afraid to ask things yeah. or ask for favors or ask if you, you know. And I'm all like, so we went to um, the Vegas Valley Book Festival, and Lisa Loeb was there, and I love her, hmm. and he loves her, and you know, the the singer. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I was like, oh my gosh! And he's like, well, let's go say hi. And I'm like, we can't go say hi like that. She's eating lunch, and he's like, let's go say hi. So I got to meet Lisa Loeb. I got to give her. I make voodoo dolls, like cute little darling little voodoo dolls of death. Um, <laughs> I made her a voodoo doll, and I gave her a copy for Little Dead Girls, and the voodoo doll matched the book. And she's like, oh, thank you. Here's this doll of death and this little book, and you know. And I thought, I gave Lisa Loeb, Loeb my book and this handmade voodoo doll, and I never would have done that by myself. And Tim's <laughs> like, oh. you know, and so good things happen when you hitch yourself to his train. But man, like, yeah, sometimes you just have to stop running. Like, <laughs> go on without me, Tim. You know, I just, <laughs> I'll catch up. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I can, I can only, I can, as far as, uh, yeah, running the, uh, the a chapter of, of the Horror Writers Association, I yeah I can only imagine how much work goes into that so, so I don't blame you for for ultimately uh, passing that on to somebody else. Yeah, it it felt good to do. It felt really good to do because you know yeah I do a lot with HW. I'm on like the um, grievance committee and you know different things like that. And it's kind of like I don't know how I get on these things. I guess <laughs> I guess they ask me, but I, I'm a fan of the HWA and I'm also not. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I'm like, eh, yeah. and so they're like, I don't, I don't know much about it. Like I know that it exists. I've been to one meeting. It was, it was, which was, you know, ironically it was with, with Tim. He invited me to a meeting to the Hollywood chapter a few years back. Yeah. So well, they're the ones that give out the stokers. So that's that organization mm-hmm. that does that. And um, the reason I joined them is because I was, like I said, I was having some issues with some of my publishers, and they have the grievance committee where um, you can go to them and they can kind of say, hey, listen, you didn't pay this author or whatever the issue is. And I joined because I wanted to be able to use that and not have to be like, 
give me my money or, you know, rights or whatever <laughs> it was. And um, now I'm on that committee and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like, is this how this works? But uh, yeah, I mean, they do some really good things. I, you know, I'm not really a joiner. So it's kind yeah. of like, <laughs> I'll look around and be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm running the HWA chapter now. Like, what? I'm not, not quite sure how that happened. But um, honestly, but they I, do. They yeah, I, I think that's my... And it's not a choice that I make in my head, but I think I'm just by nature, I'm, I'm also not a joiner. So, so, so even when I attended that meeting in the, the Hollywood chapter, my overall impression was like, oh, this is very cool. Um, but I, but I never went back, but it wasn't because I didn't think it was cool, but it wasn't my, like it was, I don't know, being, I, I've never been part of a writer's group. I've never been part of a, 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 book group, a writer's group, a writer's association of any sort. Um, years ago, I briefly tried to start a, a writer's group with uh, with some friends. I think we, if we had more than one meeting, we had two meetings. And then uh, that just, uh, I, I don't even think we had two meetings. I think we had one meeting. And even just that, just a casual writer's group with four people I liked was too much work and we couldn't get more than one <laughs> with one meeting to uh, under our belts. So, so I, I, I can't even imagine, you know, running a, a chapter of, of the HWA. Um, so, so uh, amongst all that stuff, you're also, uh, you, you also now have the official distinction of being uh, an editor where you edited the, uh, the horror anthology arterial bloom for, uh, for crystal Lake publishing. And I, I don't, I, I, I can, I can say with a certain amount of certainty I, I, I'll probably never take that on because I, I, that just seems like so much goddamn work to, 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 to edit and curate a, an anthology of any sort. Uh, but you did it. So, well, so first of all, I'll start with this. Um, and, you know, are, uh, do you have a death wish? But then beyond that, what was the process like of uh, editing a, a horror anthology? Yes, yes, I do have a death wish. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been an editor before but it's always been with groups like gamut yeah. magazine and shock Toto magazine and um this was actually supposed to be i was kind of a co-editor with somebody else for this and then that kind of didn't work out so it kind of reshook everything up and we we destroyed the old anthology and rebuilt the new anthology and i was the sole editor and and got to make all the choices and um again i'm not sure what i'm doing here <laughs> 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 I, again, I'm running something that originally I didn't intend to do, but um, it was extremely cool um, and extremely challenging. There were about six or seven hundred stories. I can't quite remember, and I read every single last one of them, Martin, and um, picked my favorites, and then you go through and you're like, narrow it down and narrow it down and narrow it down. And there were two that I read that I was like, yes, these are absolutely in this anthology. And that was a kudzu stories by uh, Linda J. Marshall and dog does not eat dog. Um, and it was just like everything else you kind of go through and you're like, okay, do I like this? Do I like that? How do they fit together? Mm -hmm. You know, cause you'll have something and then one will just kind of stick out and just doesn't do be seamless. And, and then it was like, okay. And then you've got your stories and you've, you know, got to talk to your authors and, try and keep them up to date on what's going on, yeah. especially losing the other editor. It was kind of like this weird, 
we want to, you know, fill you in what's going on, but we don't want to concern you, but we want you to be involved in the process, but we don't want to like be in your face. Like we need this, this, this. So it's just kind of this weird dance. Mm -hmm. Um, But the stories, I think, I mean, of course I think so, but the stories (laughs) are phenomenal. The authors are incredible. And we have everyone from Ken Liu, who's like this, amazing sci-fi author that um getting like his own amc show or something is going on um and christopher barzak who has written all these amazing novels and uh short stories and he had um one of his books one for sorrow was turned into this movie called um jamie marks is dead with Liv tyler i'm gonna let my son in go ahead go for it hi come in well yes i'm on my meeting you can come in or you can stay out what do you want yeah, I'll open the door. Okay. Um, nope, we'll tell secrets later. We're still doing the meeting. We're talking about mom's book. This is what quarantine is like, ladies and gentlemen. This is what quarantine is like. Um, so um, anyway, he uh, had this. his book turned into a movie called Jamie Marks is Dead with Liv Tyler. And um, so we have these like really well-known writers. Hi, Nico. He likes to touch my nose. <laughs> this is this. These are finger kisses. Um, and then um, I wish everybody have, else could see what I'm seeing. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's called a mauling. Oh, are you gonna kiss my nose? Okay, one time, one kiss, all done. And then um, like Jonathan Cosgrove, this was his very first pro publication ever. So you find these stories that are just amazing from people of all different you know, um, levels of their career, but they're all beautiful and they have teeth and they're sharp and they make you sick, but they're <laughs> gorgeous. And, um, I did a, some of the interior art. Um, I did some, um, like, um, uh, for rotten Karina Bassett. I did like the watercolors. Oh, and that's awesome. Todd, uh, Kiesling did the, the gorgeous cover and he did the inside. We'll talk about Uncle Riley later. Oh, this like poor kid. I so everyone at home knows I promised him pizza at eleven. <laughs> let me do this. It's, we'll call yeah, Uncle Riley, Riley later and Aunt Karina later. It's no, it's we'll talk later, Nico. But yeah, so it was it was really difficult. I I don't know if I would do it again, um, simply because I wasn't prepared to go into it like I did. I wasn't prepared to like kind of undertake everything. I kind of thought I would have someone else that had done it before to lean on and show me what was going on. And this just kind of didn't happen. But, uh, <laughs> and I didn't work on my own work for a year, you know? Yeah. I, I did a couple of short stories, um, but I spent the whole year just working on this and the Pretty Little Dead Girls graphic novel script. And so I'm excited to get back to more writing. How long? So you said it was uh, like five, uh, 600 stories, something like that. This is a, I, it, it breaks my heart that not everyone gets to see what I'm seeing. This is, uh, it, it, it's some combination of adorable and, and hilarious. Uh, <laughs> well, like, well, I'm just um, trying to talk and my son's kissing my face. and Yeah, like, <laughs> like you guys are hearing this very, very professional, articulate presentation by Mercedes. All the while, <laughs> her teenage son is quite literally physically on, on, on top of her head. And she's right. not missing a beat. You guys, like, like, like I'm getting the full show. Like, I'm horribly <laughs> impressed, but nobody else actually gets to see what I'm seeing. This is multitasking, right? <laughs> and he's wearing his t-shirt that says, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. You know? He's... <laughs> package, package. 
<laughs> all, all, all the more reason I need to be more like Mercedes Yardley. Oh boy. <laughs> so, so, so like, like time wise, how long does it take to, to, to read 600 stories? Um, I was super um, concentrated on reading them. So I read them in a couple of months, but I was also reading for Shock Totem at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was double. So I probably read 1,200 stories in three months. Wow. Uh, between magazine and this. Um, because for me, it, it's really important to try and get to them as quickly as possible because yeah. you lose that momentum. If you like oh, yeah. start reading and then you – but. Um, but it gets hard too. It, oh, sure. it burns you out. And some of the stories are phenomenal and a lot of them are just really bad. And so yeah, it, yeah. you know, kind of soul crushing in a way, if you read like 12 bad stories in a row or, you know, you, you, someone will send in stories for something that they, um, like a, that's not, that's not a new TV. We've had that TV for 14 years. Nico. He's so funny. He's just like, new TV, what's going on? This is amazing. He's never been in this room. He hasn't been quarantined in this house before. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, but it it's like that that excitement when you find something really exciting. Yeah. Like when you, when you read and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really good. And I read blind because I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. I um, don't want to be biased in any way. And so it's really cool when you like read something and you're like, you know, and either it's, a new author like Jonathan Cosgroves, when I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, so where have you been published before? And he's like, well, I haven't. This is my first professional sale. And I'm like, because it's <laughs> so nuanced and clever and scary. And, um, or I'll read another story. And I was like, I think this is my friend, John Bowden. And it was, um, <laughs> I'm like, I love his work. And I'm reading this. And I'm like, this sounds just like him. And then I look and it was him. And I'm like, yes, you know, it's, it's cool. It's exciting. But I think I would rather do it with somebody because I like having that, like someone to bounce it off yeah. with. Like that's my favorite thing in working in a team. Like with Shock Totem, we like fight about all these stories. Like I want this one. Well, I don't like that one. Well, you're wrong. You're stupid. You're ugly. Whatever. And then <laughs> it's a fight. And with this one, it was just like this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, you know, <laughs> like. But it was also cool because I got whatever I wanted, you know, yeah, and that. It's cool, but it's also like, well, I don't want to screw this up. This is my first time. What if what sure. I want isn't good? <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Did you go I mean, into I, it with uh, with any sort of theme in mind in terms of I'm looking for a particular... Not at all. This is a completely unthemed anthology, and yet they all seem to work together really well. The theme that tended to kind of rise through it seems to be like people are monsters, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of monstrous and beautiful. People are like ugly and gorgeous, kind of that juxtaposition. But uh, no, completely unthemed. So we got a lot of stories for like other people's themed anthologies that had been rejected that they decided to send here. So like um, Max Booth the Third's pizza anthology, we got like so many pizza stories, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I I know this is for this. I know these are pizza anthology rejects. Just now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so at this point, Arterial Bloom it came out uh, April third. Uh-huh. April. So that's maybe what three three so about three three and a half weeks ago so it's still even knows anymore (laughs) does time even count anymore i don't know it doesn't we dropped we dropped something during the middle of a pandemic i'm like (laughs) like, this is amazing so uh, how's the uh response been i mean i I, again i came out in the middle of a pandemic so that's that's going to present its own uh unique challenge Um, well (laughs) 
<laughs> the response has been pretty good from from the people that have read it. We just haven't had a lot of people that um, have been able to get to it, or you know, a lot of people aren't um, buying books right now, and you know, with the economic hardship. Yeah. So sure. sales haven't yeah, been sure. what we had hoped, um, yeah, but sure. that's completely. Yeah, sure. Completely understandable. Amazon. Yes, you can buy it at Amazon. That is correct. He's such a good salesman. Um, <laughs> but from from the people that we've heard back from, they seem to be happy with it because um, it's, it's very prettily written. Like all the stories in there are very lush and brutal, you know. And um, I think a lot of people have, have said, like, I'll get it later. Right now, I, I can't read. Right now, I'm reading Pippi Longstocking. You know, I don't want something <laughs> scary or dark. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally but, get that. Yeah, but I'm really proud of it. It is. It's beautiful. The authors were amazing. The interior is gorgeous. I mean, everybody just stepped up to the plate, and you know, I I couldn't be more happy with it. It just, it feels like a major accomplishment. It was blood, sweat, and tears. You know, yeah. and. Put your shirt down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, friend. <laughs> that that's our we're working all sorts of shows. Right, <laughs> it is Vegas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. Well, yeah, well, well, well yeah, yeah, it, it's basically it's almost pizza time. So I, I don't blame Nico for uh, for getting a little antsy. Making sure he's he's making sure, man. <laughs> he said eleven o'clock pizza, huh? Did I did I make a promise? He says yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm a team player. We can start wrapping up. I'm sure it's almost pizza time. Well, in fact, I know it. We're, you're you're ten minutes away from pizza time. So, so the the least I can do is uh, <laughs> is, uh, is, is not keep you you know any more away from that. Um, before we wrap up, uh, for you know, is there how can people reach out and get in touch with you if they want to just learn more about you and your books? Yeah, I am on. I have a, a website called MercedesMYardley.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Mercedes Murdoch Yardley. Um, don't go to my uh, like authors page on Facebook because I never check it. Go onto my real page and just have a conversation with me. I'm so open and happy to talk to people, and you'll learn way too much information. And I'm also on Twitter every now and then when I think about it <laughs> but facebook is where i am that's just where my that's that's where my peeps are we just all hang out and be old together that's so funny i i feel like you just described my social media experience like i have an author page i forget that it's there uh i'd rather you go to my regular page i'm on twitter once in a while yeah uh, <laughs> instagram's hard where i spend most like of my person. time but yeah. it's, I, I, I don't even think instagram is conducive to uh being an author but that's where i find i end up if, if I'm doing any social media at all, it's usually on Instagram, I think. Well, it's it's beautiful. And I'm not good at setting up like beautiful, like the people that, you know, here's their book and there's their cup of tea and it looks gorgeous. That's wonderful. I'll yeah. eat that up. But I'm like, you know, eh. and so, you know, I, I don't have that talent. That is not my talent of setting things up and making beautiful Instagrams. <laughs> Uh, all right, Miss all right. Well, Miss Mercedes Yardley. You, uh, it, 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 obviously, it's pizza time. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, it's it, it's been a genuine pleasure. Um, I, I I still hate that we're in Las Vegas and we, we have to do this remotely, but I, I do look forward to doing this in person. We'll absolutely plan on doing it as soon as this this wild global pandemic goes away. We'll, it'll be a race. We'll see which of which one of us reaches out first to actually book. Uh, a face-to-face -face conversation. 
you'll like walk on your front door and I'll, I'll just be sitting around. <laughs> you know, like I, you were like, you were like, do you want to do video or, you know, not video? And I'm like, I need to see a human face. Please let me <laughs> And when you're on my porch, I won't even ask how you found me. I'll just be happy that, <laughs> that we can actually have. <laughs> they don't call me murder for nothing, sir. <laughs> I have skills. I have mad skills. <laughs> Well, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was absolutely, <laughs> it, it was my pleasure, Mercedes. Uh, and for, for all of you guys who were listening, I want to thank you guys for listening. And until next time, I will see you on the other side. You'd think I've done this before. But I get nervous every time. <laughs>